This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson skulle jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, yeah. världens bästa Carlson. Yes, welcome everybody yes. to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who are, you know kind of chilling here at the end of the season. Not much going on. I feel a little bit irrelevant, but it doesn't matter because we're still coming out with content. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, with me, as always. Actually, this time we've got two people, but first of all, as always, the fantasy hockey robot, the Poopa Prognostication, a man who just celebrated his birthday yesterday, Brian Combe. Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. Yeah, you got in like two hours before the deadline. I was about to quit this podcast and then boom, you dropped the happy birthday on me. Thank goodness. For all of us. Uh, well, that's actually a very narcissistic thing to say. So thank you for the birthday wishes. And to you, listener, for I'm sure what are the belated birthday wishes. What a weird thing to start talking about on the show. What I want to do is talk about hockey and fantasy hockey. As you mentioned, Elon, just because the season is over doesn't mean we're done. No, no. Keeping Carlson goes all off season long. Um, we try and look at the season that was from every angle possible so we can get ready for the season that will be and that sort of starts now this one's going to be a lot about hindsight and i'll let you talk more about that later but first can i introduce our third today our special guest host who uh, is well known on this feed and around keeping carlson circles it short shifts ben burnett ben welcome thank you brian thank you elon it's so nice to uh, chat with you both yeah, really happy to have you here, Ben. Whenever we want to have some hard-hitting criticisms, we know Ben is going to bring it. And that's why you're here today, because we're going to be criticizing all of our listeners. I'm really excited for it. So yeah, like Brian said, uh, we've got a fun show today where we're going to be doing a little bit of looking back. Brian's actually going to explain a little bit more the specific plan for the show. But yeah, to your point, Brian, after this one and moving forward, we've got lots of plans for the actual... Aussie. First of all, there's going to be NHL playoffs, right? So we're going to obviously still talk about that and figure out if anything that's happening in the playoffs actually matters for our fantasy seasons next year. Usually the answer is no, sometimes the answer is maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I'll be curious to see if Sam Bennett still keeps on putting up all of these points or if he cools off because that'll maybe give me a little bit of more of a hint of what to try to expect next year. Anyway, oh, I also remember last year we did the Red Boys and Blue Boys, like the players who like had a big difference between their first half and second half. I'm excited to do that again. So, 
lots of ideas for the offseason. But first of all, we're going to get to today's episode, which I actually already mentioned on yesterday, where we released the Tier 1 reunion show, which Ben was also on, of course, as the runner-up to Dustin. And that was a lot of fun. I hope people enjoyed that show. And I said in the intro that today's show is going to be all about regrets and who was the most robbed player. So before we get to that, which is going to be a show that Brian's going to be running, but let's mention that we're presented by DauberHockey.com, the number one fantasy hockey website in the freaking world. Uh, I'm assuming if you won your league, it's probably because you checked out Dauber Hockey at some point because they have great articles. I love the tools over at Frozen Tools. It's the best. And so we're re- really happy that we were able to, for this whole season, say that we were presented by DauberHockey.com. But okay, with that, Brian, why don't you officially introduce what you're doing? This is a very rare episode of Keeping Carlson where I haven't done any work at all. I haven't done any preparation. I'm You've done everything. So I'm going to hand it over to you. You're the host and uh, I'm excited to see where you take us. May God help us all. Okay, so this is an episode, I mean, we bask in the glow of our championships as much as we can, but when we don't win, I think we, Elon, and our listeners who work really hard to win fantasy hockey pools feel pretty entitled, right? It's like, I should win this hockey pool 10 times out of 10 or nine times out of 10. If something doesn't, uh, something's gone wrong here. And there's a very legit reason. And everybody likes to say, I only lost because of this one thing. If it didn't happen, I would have been fine and I would have won, which I deserved all season to do. And this is an episode where we are going to put those claims to the test. On Twitter and on our patrons-only Discord server, I put out a call for all your best excuses for why you should have won your fantasy league this season but didn't, which is what you know nobody ever wants to hear you talk about. But we're giving you the opportunity to share with us so that Ben and Elon, our esteemed panel of judges, can determine uh, very... Uh, you know, judgmentally and objectively, if you were or were not robbed of a fantasy championship, did you really deserve to lose or did you actually deserve to win? And as the uh, responses and submissions and entries for this question came in, when everyone was sharing their excuses, I, I found they fell into a handful of categories There was first the category of single performance, like one night performance, either really bad performance or really good performance from your opponent's team that uh, made the difference in your fantasy playoffs. Another category was injuries. And actually, if you just had injuries, I'm sorry. I'm going to I have like an honor roll of of injury mentions. But if you just had an injury, that's not enough to have made the final cut. Of, of excuses that Elon and Ben are ready to debate. Another category was I had a rare bad week. Like I dominated my league all season long and just at the worst time possible, uh, things went wrong, which, uh, you know, is a, is a plausible category, but still you didn't, you didn't pick it up when it counted. Uh, and then another category was making a bad uh, sit or start decision, you know, which we make all season long, of course, and that's part of the game. And then uh, another category is just something totally random that happened. And this is the category where I actually really focused on pulling excuses from. Because what to me makes a good excuse for having lost your pool isn't an injury is pretty ordinary, right? And, And sometimes players have a bad week or your team has a bad week, but it has to be something that happened to you that could not have been reasonably expected. Something extraordinary that puts you off track in a season where everything seemed to be lined up to go your way for you to fall flat at the finish line. So I have picked 13 of the best responses 
for excuses for losing your fantasy pool. And Elon and Ben, I'm going to present them to you and you're going to rate them on a scale of one to 10, one being uh, you were not robbed at all and you totally deserved the L and 10 being you were totally robbed and you absolutely should have won. And at the end of the episode, we will crown the one best excuse, which means the one fantasy hockey player that actually, actually deserved to win according to us, which I think is something to be proud of. Elon, do you have any questions or anything to add about any of that? I would just like to say that the winner of this, the person who we say is the most robbed, I think this is like an official designation that you could take back to your league and tell your league mates, FYI, I actually won. Like Kevin Carlson said that actually I should have won. This wasn't fair. And so like this is there's big stakes here today because you're going to be able to go back and basically reclaim the prize money that you unfairly lost. So I'm really excited to go through this with Ben and uh, decide who is the biggest robbed person in fantasy this year. And Ben, before we get started, is there anything, I mean, I just gave sort of my rundown. I'm supposed to be the objective presenter here and I I gave my takes a little bit, but is there anything you're looking for that makes a a good reason to have lost your fantasy season? I think for me, there are just so many minor and minute seeming decisions throughout the year that any one individual thing can, you know, end up sinking you. But for me, I think that it has to be something that's like almost out of your hands, like almost something that like something happened to you or your team that you could not have done anything to predict. That's kind of, that's what I'm expecting my litmus test to be here because I did see some of the submissions coming in and a lot of them made me just think like, eh, Okay. Yeah. So we want you to not say, ah, an ah is going to get you like a two out of 10 at top. So I hope I pick some that'll make you go more than ah. And let's Uh. start with, yeah, yeah. Like an an extra trill to the ah. Let's start with Joshua Welt, who wrote in with the very earnest question, does this count? He had Cam Talbot and Cal Peterson combined for the most abhorrent weekly stats. Cam Talbot was an 8.30 with a 4.43 goals against average. Cal Peterson was an 8.36 goalie with a 4.53 goals against average. And uh, he lost because of those two awful performances from guys you could count on all season long. Remember, Cal Peterson, 9.14 goalie, full season. Cam Talbot, 9.16 goalie, full season. And Josh's opponent all actually had Darcy Kemper, who was also bad that week, but at 867 was still better than Cam Talbot and Cal Peterson. So how good a claim does Joshua have to having deserved to have won his fantasy league? Elon, we'll start with you. All right. So this is interesting. This is like you had goalies that you were depending on all season, and then they let you down at the end. Well, guess what? That's goalies. All right, Josh, like (laughs) if you are going to be depending on goalies to get you your win, then it's going to be tough. Like there's been seasons where Andre Vasilevsky has, I remember there was a couple seasons ago that Andre Vasilevsky had a really bad, like last couple of weeks and he was drafted as the number one goalie in all leagues and you couldn't even rely on him. And actually in this uh, fantasy season, in the last week of a lot of leagues, Tampa had a back to back on the weekend and they went with McElhenney and Gibson for the two games and the Vasilevsky managers. Sure, they didn't get hit with, uh, you know, a bad start, but maybe even worse. They got nothing at all. Maybe if they were just needed a few saves, Vasilevsky couldn't even give them that. So I would say that I'm going to not be giving this 
a very high score just because I think that this is just par for the course. I think if anything, you should have dropped your goalies and got an extra skater that maybe could have helped you get over the line. Like I'm imagining that in your league, Josh, it wasn't like 50% goalie categories, 50% skater categories, right? Like maybe if you didn't rely on these goalies and anyways, but specifically, Cam, it is a bummer, right? But they're also Cam Talbot and Cal Peterson. So even if, like, at least if you would have said Vasilevsky that let you down, that's something. Like, yeah, Talbot had a really great year. He was much better than what we were expecting coming into the season. And obviously, Minnesota did a great job signing this guy. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's Cam Talbot, right? Like, he's not someone that we expected to be lights out. And Cal Peterson, he's not a rookie, but he's still, like, er easing his way in. And, yeah, he's had some good starts for L.A. But, yeah, he had that rough start against Anaheim, which maybe you wouldn't have expected, letting in six goals back on May 1st. But it's growing pains of a young goalie. So uh, I'm sorry you lost, Josh, but you're not getting a high score from me. I'm giving this a, a, a two. I don't know. I'll give it a two. Sounds like an eh. Yeah, it's definitely an eh. Uh, I'm with Elon uh, because in a categories league, that is that is what goalies are. They are a you know they might win you the league, they might lose you the league, but any given week, you have no way of knowing what's going to come, and you you kind of have to work around that. Um, so I, I appreciate that Josh said or asked if this counted because he I think he kind of gets the gets the deal. He feels a little slighted because he expected a little better from his season-long workhorses, but sometimes it breaks that way. I got to say, Cam Talbot had just a 9-16. That seems really low considering how how long, how long much of the season he felt like one of the more dependable goalies in the league. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I lost because of Vasilevsky in a points league. We lost by two points. He had a back-to-back on the weekend. He didn't play in either in this game in the, or in that league in that scoring. If he had played either of those back-to-backs, we absolutely would have won. Shouts out to my – Short shifts co-host Lewis Ezekiel. That was our joint league. We deserve to win that season. And uh that's that might be the measuring stick that I'm I'm putting all of these up against. And so far, this one doesn't quite pass the uh pass the test. Yeah, I feel like actually though, it's interesting that you brought up, Ben, how Cam Talbot only has that 916 save percentage. I think that it was like a lot higher, like just before a couple of weeks ago, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm looking at his last like five games is then four, five, five, three, and three goals before that. If you look at the game log, it's just a bunch of twos and ones. Yeah. Very rarely even a three. So Talbot sort of has like hurt his save percentage just at the end. He must've been like above nine twenty before this last final stretch. Ken Talbot was in nine twenty six in his first 27 appearances this year before completely falling apart, losing 10 save percentage points after you've played nearly 30 games already is no small feat, but Cam Talbot with an 8.58 over uh, key fantasy playoff weeks uh, accomplished it. So um, that, that's a big F you to all of Cam Talbot's fantasy managers. <laughs> can, I, can I ask a question, uh, Brian uh-huh. and Ben? I'm curious, is there like a lesson here? Like goalies are impossible, right? But is there something to be said for like, he's Cam Talbot and he had a 9.27 save percentage, like you're saying, like there was like, probably not likely that he was gonna be able to keep that up all season because he's never been this good so obviously it's like impossible to know for sure well but no should but you have assumed that he was maybe gonna like not be able to keep it up all season long no i don't i think that would be a mistake to think he's gonna have to do so badly that his save percentage evens out to a more reasonable <laughs> 916 like no one's on 830 save percentage coming into josh's credit he had a redundancy plan in place right he had talbot and peterson I think uh, if one of them did all right, he would have been okay. Oh, the so all the ants coming from you, Ben. You still haven't given me a number, by the way, for this. Okay, game. so I will actually. I was gonna say I figured my ant was equal to as we 
previously established in this episode, but I'm going to bump it up to a, a three because uh, hearing that he, that Talbot's numbers cratered that hard over like six games is like, that's pretty intense. Like the fact that when I heard his full season save percentage, I was shocked because of the results over the last half dozen games. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll raise it a little bit over Elon there. Um, I think to Elon's point, the contingency plan that you have for goalies in a categories league is you hope to God that you've uh, beefed up your skaters enough, but I mean, Talbot and Peterson, that's just not really a, a very dependable tandem because you have a guy who's splitting starts on the LA Kings. So like, if you told me that the guy with the Kings goalies had a bad save percentage in the finals week, I wouldn't be like, to be fair also like to maybe raise it from a two to a three that uh, (laughs) Cal Peterson, like blow up letting in six goals. That's against Anaheim. That's that's annoying, right? How annoying is it that you have your goal? You have a good goalie seemingly on like a good defensive team against one of the weakest scoring teams. Then somehow the ducks, I think it was like Ryan Miller's one of his last games after he announced he was retiring. So I guess like the ducks decided to come out and win it for Miller. And uh, that's pretty annoying. So fine. Give me a three also. (laughs) The tilt level would be very high this week. I do have to admit like, cause you would be going into it. Like I should at least be able to expect it. It's just, that afterwards like we're doing the post-mortem and it's kind of like that's what goalies do they yeah. they break your heart Sorry, okay gosh. so ben you mentioned the vasilevsky double bench as being mm-hmm. the standard by which you're gonna sort of measure goalie pain on and ian ian jones wrote us on twitter and saying he lost by 1.6 points on a stat correction the next day on top of that that he wouldn't it wouldn't have even mattered had Vasilevsky played one of those two games on the back to back and just to recap for anyone who doesn't know uh, Curtis McElhaney started the first side of that back to back stopped all 15 shots and still ended up with a shootout loss and then Chris Gibson started the second half of the back to back and picked up the win stopping 22 of 23 shots so the Vasilevsky backups combined for 37 saves on 38 shots over 120 minutes of play. So you can't really say Tampa made the wrong decision, but how do you feel about folks like, well, I guess this is about yourself, Ben and Ian Jones who lost because Vasilevsky just needed to start, which would have been a a totally reasonable thing to assume would happen. I rank that very highly. Yeah, no, uh, that is to me, I think the, that's a tough L because you have so little control over it and you made I think a theme that emerges over the course of a fantasy season is process over results when when you're moving forward. And so sometimes you make the best process, you make the best decision given the given the information that you have, and the timing is just wrong. And uh, uh, sorry, what's his name? Who is Ian. This? Ian. Ian, your timing was wrong. I'm so sorry, dude. That sucks. Uh, yeah. So I'd give that. I give that an eight. It's early in the show, so Whoa. I don't want to go too high. We're Brian, are we allowed to change things like as we go? Like, we yeah, like if you need to, before? if you yeah. need to recalibrate okay. later, you can feel free to recalibrate. Like we, I can recap the top three scores and then you can pick one or something. Right. Okay. So what I would say is this is very interesting, right? Cause we have a thread on our discord with patron cast questions that we're accumulating for the next time we do a patron cast. And Dave just asked today in a couple style format is Vaseline, a first round pick next year. 
like basically saying like Vasilevsky had such a great season this year and so many goalies were like unreliable this year that it's almost like now because Brian you and I forever have been like don't you know bet big on goalies like just get someone random later on and you'll probably have just as good a chance but like has Vasilevsky become like so obvious as a first round pick and I've been thinking about like I wonder, but then I guess an argument against is like what just happened to Ian and to Ben and Lewis, right? Like what if we're late in the season and they decide to arrest him? But I guess that could happen with your skaters also. So maybe it's almost like with a really high pick, should you be like solely, if you're assuming you're going to make the finals because you're a G and you know how to win at fantasy hockey, maybe you got to pick like a young player from a non-playoff team or a team that's going to be fighting for the playoffs where they have no reason to rest people is that like the higher level thinking where if you pick pick Vasilevsky maybe next year this could happen again why should Tampa they they clinched the playoffs like a long time ago like why should they wear out Vasilevsky they know they're going to want to play every single playoff game there's no way Curtis McElhenney is getting in the nets for a playoff game unless Tampa like you know unless something bad happens so I guess uh, that's something to be concerned about. That said, you also said that Ian complained that he had a stat correction. I would love to know. Obviously, we won't be able to get this information. Was this like a he went to bed thinking he had the win and then woke up the next day? Yes, it was that. He said on a 3 a.m. stat adjustment. So I assume it happened overnight. Yeah, he should, be, he should be keeping an eye on that stat corrections tab, though. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Like that's real the thing, like, G's keep their eyes on the stat <laughs> corrections, as Elon would say. Well, yeah, I mean, Brian, it's possible that he got stat corrected at three a.m., but he saw it coming. Like he could have seen it before. I just wonder, like, just the feeling of like going to bed thinking you've won, like popping mm-hmm. the champagne, like going woo, and then the next morning to like realize you lost. I remember, Brian. Remember one time in our joint league, the one we did with Tyler and those people, and we had a matchup where we lost like the night on the Sunday, but we knew that the stack correction was going to bring us the win. Yeah. And like, we purposely were like, congratulations in the group chat, <laughs> like just being like, damn, I can't believe I lost. But then like, we both knew that we were so, I was like, I couldn't sleep that night out of excitement for the next morning for this person to wake up and see that they had actually lost. So all that stuff yeah (laughs) if we have that chat archived anywhere it would be really nice to share that that was a great moment well this person was yeah because we were like you know president's trophy winners obviously like this person was really excited they had us in the quarterfinals or whatever yeah and there was prior drama because a team that was like there, there was there was arguable collusion against us going into the playoffs remember yeah, I guess I remember you. I remember you really felt strongly about that. I was like, <laughs> I think it's probably fine. But anyway, we won that league and then we quit. Okay, but back to, back to the double Vasilevsky benching. I, Elon, I sort of no. like that frame yeah. you chose where you're like star players get benched all the time going into the playoffs. How many seasons have we known to expect Ovechkin and Crosby to potentially miss time? And that might impact how you judge their playoff schedules. Here it is happening to a goalie in a situation where we wouldn't have normally expected it to. So how does that impact your final score for Ian's excuse for losing? No, I'm going to give him a high score as well, because I think for next year, this excuse won't be as good. Cause I don't think I ever recall this happening where a team went down to the third stringer on a back-to-back because they wanted to rest the, you know, so like now if it happens next year, we'll be able to say we saw it coming, but you should have been able to expect a Vasilevsky start that weekend. Plus with the stack correction, I want to reserve my high scores though. So like, let me throw out a seven. I think eight is going to have to really blow me away. The fact that I've already seen this before with like Ben also, like I won my dynasty league. A big part of it was because my opponent had Vasilevsky not play that weekend. So uh, it's definitely not novel. A lot of people got bit by this, but still, I think it's a strong seven. 
Okay, so that's 15 for Ian, uh, leading the way over six for Josh and the Talbot-Peterson duo. Uh, speaking of Peterson, by the way, there is a second Cal Peterson ruin. Actually, there were plenty of Cal Peterson ruin my season excuses. But this one, tell me if you think this deserves any more legitimacy than Josh's initial one. This is from Drew Whiskey. And Drew Whiskey writes, all I needed was Peterson to have a good game. No more than three goals against versus Anaheim. He didn't have to win. And I would be able to beat a team with Connor McDavid. And Peterson had given up three goals in the first two periods and then gives up three more in the third to go 8-18 on the night. And just for context, just to really color in the lines here, Elon and Ben, Cal Peterson this season had 30 starts. He gave up three goals or less in 21 of those starts. And he only gave up six goals twice. You guys were earlier like, I can't believe he gave up six goals to Anaheim. Well, guess what? The other time Cal Peterson gave up six goals was also to Anaheim. Like of all the teams in uh, the Kings division, if you look at the splits for Cal Peterson, it's ridiculous. He had the most trouble with the Anaheim Ducks and 878 against them this year. Meanwhile, he's dropping 926 on Colorado, 928 on Vegas, 925 on St. Louis, but cannot get up to the task against the Anaheim uh, mighty for Cal Peterson Ducks. So how do you rank this considering that Peterson didn't need the win? He just needed to give up three goals tops, which he had done 21 and 29 of his starts so far this season. Elon, I'll throw first to you. Meh. I hope we're not going to talk about goalies the whole time. Also. No. Like uh, <laughs> I'm looking at before that six goals against game, which we've already discussed. We already lose his points because we've already talked about this game. So that's like Brian screwed you there also to add insult to injury. But uh, I'm seeing that the previous eight starts for Peterson, he four of them, he let in four goals. And four of them, he led in fewer than four goals. So it's not as if it was like such a sure thing. You know, it's not like, oh, I, I it was a slam dunk. I had this thing in the bag. If you told me he needed to let in like fewer than six goals for you to win, you know, maybe that's one thing because that's like more unlikely. But if you needed him to, like there was a decent chance that you were going to lose this, right? Because he's let in four goals quite a few times just recently before that game. So uh, that's bad luck. But obviously that's just like something that you have to expect with your goalies especially like people that you got out of free agency also like what were you expecting like you didn't draft cal peterson in the first round like someone who drafted vasilevsky so you know he he got you just be happy that he got you to where you ended up right in the finals okay so that's a low score from one (laughs) okay and it would have been a three had i presented it before josh's okay maybe a two ben i think that anytime you're counting on a goalie to have a good game there's a there's a huge risk factor because individual games are incredibly random. So if you told me like, you know, looking at it from the weekly, the week long perspective of Cal Peterson sucks for a full week, that's way more unlikely than Cal Peterson sucks for one game. So I'm with Elon. It's definitely below that three that we gave uh, that we gave Josh earlier. So uh, I'm going to go one. Okay. Wow. So you can buy. Okay. So sorry, Drew Whiskey. I gave it my best shot. I thought all that extra context was going to help. So we're going to move away from goalies now. Drew Whiskey was talking about how he almost beat a team with Connor McDavid. And uh, how about Connor McDavid over the last few weeks? We had David write at Shredmontonian on Twitter. David wrote that I went 10 and three in the regular season and had the most total points made it to the final only for my opponent to have Connor McDavid. 
And that's the excuse. <laughs> that's it. My opponent had Connor McDavid. And for anyone who hasn't been keeping track, I mean, I'm sure you have 31 points for Connor McDavid in his last 11 games. Just his score sheet is littered with three and four point nights. How good an excuse for losing is it that your opponent had Connor McDavid in the beastiest mode he's ever played in, Ben? Bad. <laughs> uh, mainly because, I mean, Connor McDavid played four games over the two weeks leading into the playoffs. So this this play, this person's opponent had to like really go hard to make it right. Like that's a that's a tough gauntlet to walk. I made the I made the finals in one a league where I had Connor McDavid as well. He did not do much for that that his opponent for two full weeks leading up to that. And then he shows up and goes beast mode finally, as he's supposed to in the finals. So to me, this is, you know, the the better team won, right? Like the Connor McDavid team. That's what happens. That's what fantasy is about. Brian, I'm wondering, should you, I'm going to, this might be shade on you. I don't know. Are you allowed to like sort of drool too much about McDavid? Cause you tweeted about how right in the midst, like in that game, he scored, he had 96 points going into like his 52nd game of the year. And then he got, as we all know, four points in that game to get to a hundred. Like after one point, someone wrote on discord, like being like, he's going to do it. This is so amazing. And then you wrote like, uh, imagine how disappointing it would be if he didn't get the 200. I was like, how did you 15 even minutes later? You don't, you don't, I feel like you almost like, didn't don't deserve to him. gush. You don't deserve to gush about McDavid because you like threw out this random weird I didn't statement. doubt him. I wasn't saying that he couldn't or wouldn't do it. I was just, there was so much anticipation building up. It, I know, it's but it's almost like saying like, how weird would it be if the sun didn't rise tomorrow? <laughs> like, it's like, obviously he was going to do it. <laughs> like it was uh, destined. Uh, anyway, Ryan hadn't he? He probably hadn't dr- dosed any uh, cold water on anybody for you know twenty four hours or whatever, and he just needed to get it out of his system. <laughs> so, Brian, who who wrote this one? This is from David. Okay, here's my question to David. I want to know. Let's say McDavid didn't get what was it like probably twelve points in four games or whatever it was, probably thirteen points in four games. Let's say McDavid got only eight points in four games, like two points per game, which is like kind of reasonable to expect if you're going up against McDavid. That could totally happen to you. Would you still have lost? Like I want to know if this person lost because McDavid went above even what McDavid normally does, or was it just like, yeah, my opponent had McDavid, so I lost. But it's like, guess what? There's a reason why your opponent drafted McDavid like first overall, or you know, if if you got lucky, maybe you got him second or third overall if people were like going for McKinnon and Dreisaitl. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with Ben. It's kind of like that this person drafted McDavid for a reason and this is the reason. And yeah, it was a, like a bit more than we could have expected. But, you know, you could have also had some players that maybe did more than expected. And overall, I'd be curious to know uh, how much of an effect it had, like that extra overage. But in the absence of that knowledge, well, not too high, right? Like, uh your opponent had McDavid. I feel like you could say that for in a lot of leagues. Like, yeah, my opponent had the best player of the week. That happens all the time. Uh, and this is like the most likely player to be the best player of the week. So I feel like it would be worse if like, you know, my opponent had Sam Bennett. Then it's like, okay, that is kind of annoying. Like my team was better all year long. My opponent, like like me in Kakuffle, like against Ben actually in our match. Imagine Ben, if I would have beaten you, I got Sam Bennett on that Monday. And it was like, uh, I think he wasn't even my first choice. Like I made a fab bid. I only I had no fab left. So like I bid for someone. I think it might've been uh, Gurionov on Dallas. And then someone like outbid me for Gurionov. So my backup was Sam Bennett. So if I would have beaten you there, I think that would almost be like a better excuse because I got some random guy that shouldn't have been good. Then he was getting like two points a game. Like McDavid getting three points a game. 
Come on. He's McDavid. So I completely agree. Like you, this is somebody who lost because their opponents like entire season long strategy worked rather than to your point, Elon, like, you know, I, I would tilt way more if somebody I'll, I'll use your exact situation. You got your second place pick, like didn't even think that that was your best bet. And you just like, just smashed on a, a $1 lottery ticket, one fifty million. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's, that to me is much more tilt worthy. Yeah. One, this is a one. Sorry. Sorry, David. All right. So sorry to you, David. So really, you guys have really just been impressed with one take so far, oh. one excuse. By the way, Nine. I will say to David, <laughs> like from one top point getter that lost to another, it sucks, right? Because in the couple tier one, I had the most points. I really felt like this was my year, but I also have like my own list of excuses. But actually this season out of most, like I know I've been joking around with this Fiala suspension, which is what, how Brian framed the question on Twitter. But really like I could think of a few moves that I made that were dumb that I should have not done. Like it's like I've, I'm taking lessons. So I don't think you could take a les- lesson from like my opponent had McDavid. <laughs> I don't know if that should be part of it at all. It's like, is there something you could have done differently? But anyway, all right, Brian, ready for the next one. Okay, the next one, and I'm really trying to impress you guys here, and I think I've got a couple good ones coming up. Not that I want to put my thumb on the scale here or anything, but this one's from Ed Hebsher, and Ed wrote us on Twitter saying that I played my kid in the semifinals, and I'd like to go back to that note in a little bit because we were having a great discussion about that on Discord earlier today. I played my kid in the semifinals, and I had a lot going against me. I had Renton and out. Dreisaitl and Barry were only scheduled for two games. I've got Blackwood as my goalie against Philadelphia on the final Sunday, and I just need the win from Blackwood to make sure I get through. So it's the third period, and the Devils are up 3-1, to one, and... Miles Wood has the current game-winning goal, who's also on Ed's roster. And Claude Giroux scores with 86 seconds left, assisted by Jacob Voracek, who Ed's kid has, which wipes out the Miles Wood game winner. But Blackwood's win is still intact with 86 seconds left. And then 22 seconds later, Claude Giroux scores again, assisted once again by Voracek, who, remember, is on Ed's kid's roster. Overtime solves nothing, and then Mackenzie Blackwood gives up the goal to Kevin Hayes in the sixth round of the shootout. Brian Elliott makes a stop on Nico Hishier right after. And the Blackwood win has also disappeared. Ed loses. To his kid. To his kid. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> the student becomes the master. But aside from, you, you know, the obvious family dynamics here, actually, how do you feel, Elon, about playing somebody you love? in fantasy hockey unfortunately i don't get the opportunity too much and when i do yeah you're making fun because i wrote earlier on discord that my dream would be <laughs> to like crush a loved one that cares a lot in fantasy and then rub it in all no, throughout you, the summer you actually wrote it in like a much more wrenching way what did i say uh you said and i'm just bringing it up now my dream is to get a loved one into fantasy hockey to the point where they really care and then beat them and rub it in their face. Yeah. You well, the problem the pinnacle. The problem is that like, so I have like my brother plays fantasy hockey. Right. And like, we've been in leagues together before, but I always feel like when, even if he like makes it far, like once we get to the end, if I beat him, I always feel like, you know, a few days into the finals week, maybe he'll say something like, Ah, I think you got me this week. You know, it's not like, and then it's like, 
you, you know, whatever. Like I didn't pay, I wasn't paying attention anyways. I was actually busy. So I make sense. I hate that so much. <laughs> so I, you know, not to throw shade or anything. Like I'm happy to even have a family member that plays fantasy with me sometimes. But yeah, like I don't have it. Like it would be so fun if I could get Dina, my wife, to like get into fantasy hockey play, then I could like play her in the finals and then beat her. Oh, it would be glorious. And if there was like a move, like maybe I added a free agent, she added a free agent and mine did better than hers. And I could be like, oh, too bad you didn't grab uh, Sam Bennett. Well, things would be different. I don't know. <laughs> sounds like a, sounds like a blast. Anyway. And so you've this- had this experience for yourself. I- I've had this exact experience. Yeah. And I mentioned this earlier. It might've been what prompted Elon to say that his, dr- it was his dream. And now I realize maybe I live Elon's dream life, but um right. Uh, I, yeah, my dad is really into fantasy hockey and I'm very similar to my dad in the way that we're both pretty obsessed with it. So he, uh, both of his first two years playing, I beat him in the finals and in the second year, you know, like big redemption shot and I swept him eight, nothing in categories. (laughs) And, uh, he does not, he does not like that. I get to bring it up all the time. I mean, it's, it's perpetual bragging rights. It's incredible. So you are the kid in the kid dad scenario. So good yes. for you. Mm-hmm. Or to you and and your dad eventually squaring off in tier one of the cupful. Until then, we're here to rate whether Ed deserved to lose to his kid or whether he was robbed by two late Voracek assists plus a shootout loss for Mackenzie Blackwood when everything was all set to go with just 86 seconds left to play in essentially his week. So Ben, how about I'll start with you. Do you think Ed was robbed? Yeah, like I think that that's one of the most tilt-worthy losses that I've heard of. Like that's that's brutal. Like what a what an awful way to lose. I definitely that feeling of like turning on a game and then like all of the possible bad scenarios that you <laughs> had like hoped wouldn't happen all happen in front of you and it's like I, I thought that it might be good luck for me to tune in. You know what I mean? Like that feeling of uh, just watching your whole empire turn to dust. That sucks. Uh, does he deserve to have won? I mean, obviously not as team lost in regulation. It's it or like, you know, within the confines of a hockey game. So I, I don't know that he was the deserved winner, but I do think that that would be, that's like my nightmare scenario on a Sunday for sure. Yeah. I agree. This is like pretty high. I don't know if it's like robbed or just this is brutal, but yeah, to have your goalie that you just need to win be up three to one and then totally flame out in the third period and then losing the shootout sounds really brutal. So I'm going to give this a decent score, but at the end of the day, we've already established that you were depending on a goalie and Mackenzie Blackwood has been having a pretty rough season. And yeah, you might've been thinking, okay, well it was against Philly. So that should have been an easy game. Kind of like what we were talking about with Peterson against Anaheim, but still like Philly is like more known this season for being bad defensively, not for like being unable to score. And like Blackwood is on New Jersey, which they've been really bad defensively. So I don't think you were like robbed in terms of like, you should have like you deserved to have Blackwood give you a good game. Cause that was like so clearly what was going to happen but I do hate how this happened to you against your kid in the third period. I wonder if you were watching together also. I'll give it like a, I don't think this is a winner, but I'll give it a, a four. I'll, I'll make it a little <laughs> higher than the Cal Peterson and Cam Talbot one. Okay, so we've got a four from Elon. And Ben, you got a number for me? Yeah, this is kind of like the red wedding of, of final, like finales yeah. in, a, in a fantasy hockey format. I'll give it a five. 
Okay, so maybe a, a little pain bonus points from, mm-hmm. from both of you guys because maybe Ugh. it wasn't the greatest excuse to lose, but the the fashion in which the loss happened was especially brutal. So Ed, yeah. you get some sympathy if nothing else. Brian, I want to bring up another experience from that Tyler League. Maybe we shouldn't have quit that Tyler League because it does have a lot of good stories from it. Remember there was one year that we lost in the semis. Again, we were like President's... I think we were President's Trophy winner every single year in that league. And then we were in the semis and I remember it was a really bad beat. It was kind of like Ed-like in that it was a points league and I think we were up by like a point and a half. I don't know. Like We were up by like a little bit and it was like at the end of it, I remember it was a Winnipeg Jets game yeah. and we had like three Jets and he had like one player on the other team. So it was basically like just a matter of like, we just needed his player not to score. And then time is ticking down. And then I forget who it was, but like the other team did score, but like, it wasn't the person that we needed to not score. So it was like, fine. So it was like, oh, few. It wasn't the person who we were like afraid of scoring. So I thought, okay, that means we win. And then like time ticks down. Then I remembered that, oh wait, this league counts plus minus and our three jets were all on the ice for that goal against and we got like negative like two points or whatever it was from the three plus minuses and that's what cost us the win it's like if we just had nobody on the ice you know it's like we were i was like excited they were on the ice because they might be able to get a point to clinch it but it was super plus minus that was a that was a heart-wrenching one that i remember i think i actually shed tears after that one i remember like walking around outside in my backyard i still remember it like so vividly i was like with my wife and i was just like kind of like what am i doing with my life like this is and then i remember i signed up for flute lessons and then that whole summer i was taking flute classes and i was like maybe oh i don't God. need it was like i don't need to like focus on fantasy hockey so much i could become like a musician maybe i could join a band or something i remember i was like asking the flute, t- flute teacher to like introduce me to some bands that i could like audition for and then like the next fantasy season started and i quit the flute lessons <laughs> This was like season, I feel like season two or three of Keeping Carlson when this happened. And just think we were this close to to none of this ever happening. (laughs) Elon, is that worse than the worst breakup you've ever had? Uh, I don't want to be a jerk here, but I've I've actually initiated uh, all of my breakups. (laughs) (laughs) The most Elon response. I could, like a writer couldn't have written it. But to be fair, um, they still hurt. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's really nice of you to say. No one, no one's buying that. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you've right, been so, dumped by Elon, he doesn't give a shit about you. <laughs> if you've never watched the YouTube feed, this would be the time to see. The Cheshire Cat grin that Elon possesses through this entire segment. All right. Uh, I'm glad that one played a little bit better with you guys. I've got another one coming up for you that was about a late game happening that might have even been more random. But first, let's have a quick word from our sponsors. Keeping Carlson will be back after this. Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Another season has come to an end. And don't you have a new favorite player because they just won you your season in fantasy hockey? Even if you didn't, even if you're like one of the losers we're talking about on our show today, you're a hockey fan, you love the NHL and its players, and you're going to want to make sure you look good supporting your team. And at Cool Hockey, they get that. That's why they offer great NHL jerseys at incredible prices. Whether you're a fan of the Anaheim Ducks or Winnipeg Jets, CoolHockey.com has what you need to support your team since 1990. CoolHockey.com has been the number one online source for purchasing and customizing officially licensed NHL hockey jerseys in North America. Quality is just as important to them as it is to you. And that's why Cool Hockey makes sure that every product that leaves their doors is done to the exact specifications of the NHLPA. All of Cool Hockey's jersey customization is done by them in their own 50,000 square foot production facility in Toronto, and they don't outsource their jerseys for customization like some of their competitors do. So Cool Hockey is able to offer the best quality pricing and delivery time on all of our products. And Elon and I can speak to this. We have some gorgeous uh, throwback San Jose Sharks, Eric Carlson jerseys. Unfortunately, we got them just as we decided that he was no longer fantasy relevant in most formats. But hey, they still look good. So you can go over to coolhockey.com and check out their testimonials page. If Elon and I's word is not good enough for you and see for yourself why Cool Hockey is the best place to buy and customize NHL jerseys also, if it makes you like it anymore, it makes me like cool hockey more. Uh, well, Keeping Carlson listener and patron is one of the uh, operators of coolhockey.com. So that's another reason to trust and love and support our friends over at coolhockey.com. Oh, who also are providing the grand prize for our Keeping Carlson playoff pool, which is starting soon too. So thanks a lot to coolhockey.com for that. And you can check out all their jerseys again over at coolhockey.com. Fun fact, I know this is like the third tangent I've gone off in this little spot we're doing for them, but do you know, I heard from JT, who's our our listener and patron, uh, who's with Cool Hockey, these reverse retro jerseys, this is it. It's a single run thing. Once they're gone, they're gone. Oh my! You can't get one if you don't get one this time around. So I'm lucky to have this Carlson jersey. You know what? I don't care that Carlson isn't especially awesome anymore because even though he's on the ice not getting points, he's like looking good not getting so those good. points. He's so cool with that hair flowing, that cool Sharks jersey. So yeah, I just like to walk around my apartment and pretend that I'm Eric Carlson. I haven't gotten a haircut in a little while also. All right. So uh, thanks to Cool Hockey. Also, Dustin got a Cool Hockey jersey for winning the couple this year. But okay, let's do this, picked? Brian. I'm ready to lay down the hammer on some more people's dreams. All right, our next submission for the I Was Robbed competition comes from Ruben Hunter, who wrote us on Twitter to say that I lost my semifinal by one single penalty minute. And before, I, I know, or at least where my brain goes, it goes straight to, well, then don't play in a league with penalty minutes. It's your own fault. This is how Ruben lost by a single pin. Ruben's opponent picked up Barkley Goodrow as a Sunday streamer. And with three minutes left in the game, Goodrow, who doesn't take a lot of face-offs, was taking a face-off and proceeds to attempt a hand pass on the face-off, resulting <laughs> in a two-minute minor, which was enough for Ruben Hunter to fall one minute below his opponent who had added Goudreau for a Sunday stream, I doubt, for penalty minutes, but he got two penalty minutes thanks to this attempted hand pass face-off violation. How 
much does that suck? Was Ruben robbed, Elon? It would be fun to be watching, cheering for not penalties, and then to see this happen, and the ref calls, no! like Because you're already, like, I, you know, that's like a classic hockey fan thing, right? Is when you're cheering for not Tampa, or no, I guess if you're cheering for Tampa, and then Goudreau takes that penalty, you're always like, oh, ref, what the hell? But like, to have this extra stakes on top of it, where your ref just cost you your fantasy league. The thing is, like, Barley Goudreau is good for penalty minutes. Like, I'm sure that the person who streamed him in did do that because they were hoping for PIMS. And yeah, maybe they weren't expecting it to be a hand pass with three minutes to go. But like, he has 52 PIMS on the season in 55 games, uh, 97 PIMS in 70 games last year. So I think your opponent might have just outplayed you there, buddy. Like, uh, maybe you should have been streaming in someone for PIMS because regardless of whether or not you uh, should or should not be using PIMS in your league, once you know you're in a league with PIMS, you got to account for it. Like, either... Uh, you know, stream in the someone with PIMS yourself to get the, those PIMS and get that category, or totally just disregard that category, punt it, and just be like, I'm fine with losing PIMS because I'm going to get all the offensive categories. So clearly something went wrong here, aside from this, this Goudreau penalty. Either your strategy, you didn't get yourself enough PIMS, or you didn't focus enough on the other cats. So sorry that this happened. It's a very funny story. And it's a really funny penalty to lose on. Uh, so I'll give you a two instead of a one because it was a funny penalty. I'm uh, I'm more or less with Elon on this. Uh, Barkley Gaudreau, almost a PIM per game player. So, you know, on average, he was pretty likely to uh, to get a to get a penalty in the game. Uh, a little bit of a bonus because of the time left, I guess, just the same way that I also uh, kicked up that Blackwood uh, blow up because of the uh, because of the just the pain of losing so late in the game. Like you probably start to get a little bit of a false sense of security, but uh, this reminds me of one of my luckiest wins in the playoffs when I I added Daniel Sedin to try and get assists or power play points one week, and he did nothing for me all week. And then in his last appearance of the game, he said something on the bench. No one has ever reported what it was. I've always wanted to know, but he said something, and the referee instantly kicked him out of the game. 15 PIMS for Daniel Sedin, and it was enough <laughs> to flip my matchup. I won on a tiebreaker. Uh, that is uh, PIMS suck, and the fact that they're arbitrary like that can be difficult, but yeah, I mean... This guy, uh, you got to play, like Elon said. I'll uh, I'll go three. I also saw that happen in that Rangers Caps game last mm. week. There was there were people were getting penalty minutes for talking, which mm-hmm. just seemed like like that's the last resort. Everything was so out of control. Okay, you open your mouth, done. Ten minute misconduct. So that was a. But of course, you could have predicted that. And you guys are saying that Ruben might have been able to take a little more control over their own fate. So uh, yeah, I mean, I I love how hard you guys are being on everybody who who dared share the reason why they shouldn't have actually <laughs> lost uh because the message that you're clearly sending is you lost you lost but we still want to find at least one or two maybe even three people who did maybe deserve to win so i've got a couple more for you uh, and how about this from ryan downey uh who also by the way was burnt by cal peterson but that's not what this is about ryan's a, a patron of ours and he dropped this in our discord server ryan wrote in the semifinals i was down by three goals going into thursday i brought up matt barzell's cold streak uh in the ad drop trade channel in our discord server and the three of us and elon the three of us is ryan you and i agreed that Claude Giroux would likely be the smarter play for the rest of the week and into the finals. Barzell proceeded to get two goals while Giroux gave Ryan a minus five. Not only did Ryan not catch up in goals, but he lost plus minus by four. 
So had Ryan just kept Barzal, he would have won this matchup seven, four, and one in, in, across his cats. And Ryan also clarifies, to be clear, I'm not blaming anyone. That's hockey, baby. But of course, it hurts so much more seeing that he's comparing his stats to the finalists this week and seeing that he definitely would have won and cruised to the title, if not for this one thing that Elon, I think Ryan's point here, and Ben, I'm actually going to throw to you first. I think Ryan's point here is, I went to the experts. And they misled me. They led me astray. They told me to go with Giroud over Barzal. I listened, and here I am, like a chump, outside looking in. Ben, does Ryan have a good excuse for losing? This is what we talked about earlier, where you can make all the right decisions and still lose. And it sounds like, you know, this is one of those examples. Uh, The first fantasy league I ever played in was fantasy football. And the name of the league, I was the commissioner, we ended up changing it to The Way She Goes. And the reason is that it's just such a perfect (laughs) mantra for fantasy sports, because sometimes it just doesn't go your way. You know, this is the way she goes. Sometimes Matt Barzell scores two goals and Claude Giroux goes minus five for three games. That's just that that's hockey, baby, as Ryan said. So um, shouts out to Ryan. Uh, Great patron. Great bud. But uh, and and tough loss, honestly, like that sucks. I'm sorry to hear. But uh, definitely not a a. a winner of the tournament for me. I need a moment because I need to get back to that chat and see more of the context because IIRC, I believe that Giroux had like more games. I think yes. we were like looking. I at agree. Giroux. Like that, like that's yeah. my recollection as well. Giroux had an extra game compared to Barzell. All right. I just want to take the W for not <laughs> recommending this move. And, and Barzell if you had, had been short cold. shifts. Me and Lewis both would have said, go Barzal. Of course. Uh, yeah, I think it was more games. I also don't recall the question saying anything about uh, plus minus being a consideration. Uh, because definitely that seems like, and obviously now I'm just trying to like take away my excuses. Like my, I just want to make my excuses now for why I gave bad advice. But like clearly Giroux on Philly is going to have a worse plus minus than Barzal on the Islanders who like the Islanders never let in goals. They are such a great defensive team. So uh, if I would have known that you were putting a plus minus at risk, then maybe I would have given uh, different advice. Uh, all that said, yeah, it sucks. I, it sucks to like make the wrong decision like that, especially because then you could obviously like think to yourself, man, like I drafted Barzal higher than Giroux. Yeah, he was on a cold streak. But generally, I do like to sort of go with just stick with my stars, people I drafted. But then it gets so tricky with the games played. I hate these like types of decisions because it's like, you know, you, you, you think you just like think of it mathematically and like look at like, OK, if Giroux's getting, you know, 0.6 points per game and Barzal's getting 0.7 points per game. And then I multiply by the number of games, I should be able to get a sense of like who I should expect more points from in this short time span. But of course, anything could happen. Uh, it sucks. It's a sucky loss. But yeah, you don't get a high score. I don't think Ryan just because it's like it wasn't bad luck. It was just a bad choice, and like that happens all the time, right? Like you just sort of pick the player to sit, and then that person ends up going off. So sorry it happened. But yeah, low score. Give it a t- give it a two because I like Ryan. Give it a three because I like Ryan. I was gonna say, what if he didn't like Ryan and he's only getting a two? Okay, and Ben, I'm gonna put you down for a two. Does that seem fair based on uh, based on what you said? 
Yeah, for sure. Did you guys miss the fact that I my chair broke from under me in the middle of that conversation? And I went like I watched it on YouTube. My hands shot up in the air and I just dropped out of the out of the frame. No, I think you may people listening may have noticed that I started stumbling over my words at one point. And I think that's because of, like, there was no sound. Right. So I just yeah. was kind of assuming that maybe something else is going on. And I probably shouldn't interrupt my thing and have to retake it. But uh, are you OK? I'm I could not be better. It's one of the funnier things that's happened to me. And I really want to get a a video clip of that. Yeah, it'll be available to keeping Carlson.com slash YouTube. It'll be there for eternity. All right. Also here for eternity is a loss from another patron of ours, Brett, who shared with us that he had dropped Wilson and Vrana over the course of the season. He dropped Tom Wilson uh, because he was upset with him as a Bruins fan <laughs> and then dropped Verana because he was struggling before he was traded. However, had Brett held on to both, he probably would be in the finals, especially with Verana, who had a four goal night in the semis that I lost by 10 points in. So uh, Brett dropped Wilson and Verana over the course of the season. Does he deserve to have lost? So he wants to say that he was robbed because he made bad drops. Yeah. Like you dropped Tom Wilson because you were upset. Like I can understand maybe. Okay, here's what I what I would say is if like because Wilson got a seven game suspension at one point, and so like I know in the cup flight, I think it was Tom who talked about it on our reunion show that we released yesterday. Like he dropped Tom Wilson because Yahoo's annoying, and I know people really disagree with me on this. But I'm like so confident in this take that I think Yahoo should let you put suspended players in IR plus. Like the whole idea of IR plus is it's plus. It's like there's IR and there's IR plus, which is like if a guy's not playing for whatever reason, they put, they let you, if a player's having a baby, they let you put this guy in IR plus, they get an O. So I don't understand how you can't put a suspended player in IR plus. Like he's not playing, okay? Let me freaking put another player. So yeah, if you like drop Tom Wilson because you couldn't withstand seven game suspension, that's a pretty good excuse. But if you're just like, you were mad at him. I like, I like it. I like it in terms of like, you're sticking to your guns. It's a principled take. Yeah. But uh, obviously you're not going to get points where like, I got robbed because I dropped like, okay, but actually no, let's, let's give some credence to the Verona thing though, because that's interesting, right? Like how much is it your fault? If you drop a player, like there was nothing that I had heard that Verona was on the trade block, right? Like this was not, he wasn't one of these like pending unrestricted free agents. This wasn't like Taylor Hall where, it was all, uh, you know, like this guy's for sure going to get traded at the deadline. There's almost no questions, no matter of to where. Like Verona, like no one knew this was going to happen. So I think we were all fair to assume that he was going to stay on Washington, probably continue putting up whatever production he was putting. And I know he was on a cold streak. And then he goes to Detroit where all of a sudden he's getting like more ice time than he got in Washington. And he's been on fire, by the way. He has two straight multi-point games against Columbus going into today's episode on uh, the 7th and 8th. He had that four goal game shortly after getting traded. So Verona, oh, he had seven shots in the last game. So I think that is kind of like, I think you do have a bit of a good excuse there because you dropped a guy that you didn't think was going to get traded. Then he got moved to a better situation. So uh, I like that one. And I think that the Wilson thing is funny. So I'm going to give this a decent high score. I also don't want a goalie to win, but I can't go all the way up to seven. Like I gave the, I hope you, Brian, you're going to give me something better for at some point. I'm going to need you to dig into some of these injuries. Cause I do think that if someone had like enough injuries, I think that counts as a good excuse for losing, especially if like you drafted like Eichel and like Kucherov, like right before it was announced to be out for the season. I feel like some of these are like pretty brutal, but I guess this one, who is this by the way? This is Brett. Brett, yeah. A Brett from the patron Brett? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Give it give it a five. I'm gonna give it a five because I feel like Verona 
there was no way to know who's going to get traded. So it's like, a, it's not an unforced error here. It's like, I didn't know if I knew I maybe wouldn't have dropped him. I mean, it's still Jakob Verana though. You know what I mean? It's like you drop a guy like that. It's that's a timing issue to me. As I mentioned earlier, like this game, sometimes you make the right decision and timing just doesn't work out. I mean, I dropped Anthony Mantha two weeks before, or like, you know, a few games before he got traded It's the same deal. I don't think that it, I think it's kind of making an excuse to say that I, I lost in the finals because I didn't have Anthony Mantha, for yeah. example. Um, to Elon's point, I we've argued over the IR plus thing in suspension before, and I actually don't disagree with your general point that it could or should be included in IR plus. The fact that it isn't as a rule, I do kind of like just because it's like, at least we know what to expect. Like one of the worst things about the out status is it's like, sometimes a guy gets healthy scratched and he gets IR plus. And then other times a guy gets healthy scratched and there's no, like there's seemingly no rhyme or reason to it. And so for that reason, I I do, I don't dis, like I'm not mad about suspended players not being on IR plus. I just want all designations to be as consistent as possible yeah no ben let's just be more mad at yahoo then like don't be like okay i'll give it a pass be like no yahoo i feel i'm just saying i, I it should be one, also it has to be one or the other it should be any game missed ir plus that's what it's there for it's like i'm getting already punished i have tom wilson i drafted him super high and but now i don't your, get that is your fault and so that's why i, I kind of come down on the the lower side of this. And it's the same with like your, your example of the Kevin Fiala L Elon. It's just like, you chose not to drop him because of, because he, while he was suspended, that's a choice that you made. Give me a break. Okay. I draft this guy. I, okay. It's like week two of the fantasy season. I spent like 30 of my auction dollars. You're saying that that was a reasonable choice for me to have to make. Should I drop Kevin Fiala early in the season. That's that stupid. is what Come it comes on. down to. It's no, but you it's have not to make a decision. <laughs> I'm not playing this game. It, you made the decision that you made. <laughs> okay, what if I had what if I had dry sidle and he got suspended? Should be like for you three would games. Choose to hold on to him, and the consequences of that could be a loss. It's what it is. Like sometimes you lose after making the right decision. I'm not I saying feel... you made a, the wrong decision keeping him. I'm just saying that your loss ultimately is not solely on. You're like that one of these decision. people. You're like one of these people who is like landlords shouldn't have to like waive rents because you should you had the choice to like sell all your family heirlooms to uh, stay in your apartment. Like it's not a choice. It's like <laughs> I have Kevin Fiala on my team. I drafted him high not to drop him in week two because of suspension. I think Yahoo should be chill and be like, OK, I, I see that you're in pain from losing Kevin Fiala but I'll at least like not make you go shorthanded in tier one of the couple where like every single player matters so much. Come on. It just, I'm not saying that Elon. I'm saying you have to make up the deficit in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I do not think that in the situation you gave about rent. And I, I think that there should have been a, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into that obviously, but in, in fantasy sports, yes, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tyrant, I guess, by your definition. You should play then next next year. How about let's do no IR in uh, Cupful. And we'll just say, if you, you could drop, hey, if McDavid's injured, you could just drop him if you want. I mean, I, I've argued for fewer spots in there. So like you're kind of, this is like oh, right. my version of accidentally uh, Ben Wing is you're, you're, you're accidentally agreeing with me. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying <laughs> now. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, because I always lean on the side of like, there should be more IR. I feel like there should be infinite IR spots. And I think, but like with the caveat that, and Fantrax has this feature, but obviously Yahoo would never make this feature, but they have a feature where you can't add an injured player. 
Like you could turn that on on fan tracks. And I think that'd be perfect. I would play in a league with unlimited IR spots, but you're not allowed to add an injured player. So that means you can't just like use all your moves one week to stash people in your IR because you happen to not need the moves. Because obviously then it's like, that's the reason I think why IR spots could become unfair. If like I'm able to just stash a bunch of guys. And I'd even be down to have a rule where like once a player is healthy, you know, you, you have a day or two before you have to unstash them. I think that's fair also. But to just like be like, guess what? You're screwed. Your player's injured. And now you just lose or just drop so like all of your players are now injured. One of your 18 players missed three games. No, I'm it's talking like, about now, but now you're saying that you're also saying we should have fewer IR spots. And we've had people in Cupful that have like filled yeah. their four IR spots and more. And you're just kind of telling them that's just like, like, I think like injuries, you shouldn't lose because of injuries in terms of like, because you lost games played. It should be like, if you have an injury that sucks, you should always be able, I think, to replace your injured player with a free agent. But that's, that's, and I think the same for suspended players, but that's just my opinion. And this is like, I guess already far off the theme of this show. So uh, that that's, that's how I feel. I'm a, uh, maybe I'm a socialist when it comes to fantasy hockey. I want things to be more more fair this way. I appreciate the passion from both of you. To be honest, it's kind of like if you draft an in to me, I'm just going to take the last word on this. If you draft an injury prone player, expect them to get injured. And I know, Elon, it's not exactly the same because you can stash them in IR. But if you draft a suspension-prone player, expect them to get suspended and have to deal with that. I know that Kevin Fiala is not a suspension-prone player, but players also get injured for the first time in their careers too. So I think, I think there should be some kind of punishment. There is, it's called, they're not yeah. playing. Anyways, forget it. Let's just yeah. move on. Okay. All right. You can't convince me of this. You okay. should be able to stash an IR plus as many players. Well, since we're, since we're talking about injuries, I'm going to run down all the injury excuses we got. And I just want you guys to tell me to pass or to, if you actually want to dig into them. Okay. Tell me when one piques your interest, all right? I like this. Okay. Okay. So Jesse's Parka said, Stamkos getting hurt sunk me. Yeah, that's just one injury. That's, uh, you know, that happens. Okay. Uh, Chris Nova wrote, Rantanen and Besser were out at the same time during my playoff run, and I just barely lost out. Well, yeah, that's... Like, we haven't even mentioned COVID yet. Is this the first podcast of the season that we haven't mentioned COVID? <laughs> like, it's coming. Let because, me tell you. Yeah, because, I was just thinking during that last one, if, like, there had better be some COVID stuff coming. Because, like, Besser wasn't even injured, right? Like, it was actually kind of probably annoying because since he wasn't on the COVID protocol yeah. list, but Vancouver wasn't playing, it was another like, Fiala a, suspended situation, right? As a Besser manager, it, like, I had Besser and Demko. Demko was at least out, so I could I could put him. But Besser, I mean, I'm really glad he didn't get COVID. But for my fantasy team, he just had to end up burning a spot, even yeah. though he had the same fate as everybody else on his team who had out status. Yeah, that was like a brutal thing this year. Like, you, obviously, you could have just been cheering for like, I wish Besser would have been exposed to someone who had COVID to go on the list, but then turn out to have not caught COVID or something <laughs> so he could get on the protocol. Like, you know, but you know what I mean? Like, that was this year was crazy for that. Like, I feel like almost like if you lost because like you like stacked your team with Canucks for some strategic reason and then like just they didn't play for two weeks and you happened to be unlucky and all the Canucks who you happened to have were the ones who didn't get IR status so you couldn't even stash them I guess at that point that you should have just dropped him right like you should have dropped Besser if he wasn't going to play for you in a playoff matchup uh but that sucks like that's an unfair situation uh yeah, this COVID thing is like, I think the, I think we all actually, like this, this show's just for fun. Well, I guess this whole thing is just for fun. But I feel like if you lost this year and like you've lost matches because of COVID, I think that is like a totally fair excuse that you could just tell yourself like this year was not a referendum on how good I am at fantasy hockey because it was very hard to just predict teams 
being like shut down for two weeks randomly. Like, how are you supposed to plan for that? And especially if the platform doesn't let you stash them, then like you really get in a lot of trouble, especially like these early season ones where you couldn't even, you know, like at the end of the year, yeah, you could say like, yeah, you should just drop Besser. Like, I guess that's a decision you have to make. But if you have like a good player whose team just isn't playing because, or like, remember when Ovechkin, well, I guess Ovechkin got the status when he and those other three Russian players all went on the, uh, they got, got suspended because they broke COVID rules. Anyways, yeah, stuff like that was really weird. Okay, so, yeah. so you're giving, you, you can tell me which of these is the worst injury situation and we can go back and assign the score. Adam K uh, on Discord said, I lost in the first round of the Cup full by 19 points because I only got two games from McKinnon instead of four because of COVID. Plus, Verhege and Zaka went to IR at the start of the week and he got zero games from them. Not enough for me. <laughs> How about you, Ben? Can you repeat the players again, sorry? Uh, McKinnon, two fewer games because of COVID, and Verhege and Zaka injured. Yeah, I mean, the McKinnon thing is the worst of the group, I guess, so far, just because it's, you know, it is COVID and it is McKinnon, but Verhege and Zaka doesn't really cinch it for me. Okay, Uh, next situation from Brad. Uh, lost all these guys to season-ending injuries all on one team. Gallagher, Radulov, Eichel, Ekblad, Verhege, and Grubauer, who had COVID for the duration of his fantasy playoffs. Yeah. Now we're talking, right? This <laughs> yeah, is not, that's bad. I think that's the one. I probably should have just skipped to that. Like, uh, I guess at this point, I should also lament, like, Mathieu and I lost a whole bunch of players for the season in our league. Because there was, there was a bunch of players, right, this year that it sort of like was a slow burn. So maybe we didn't notice like in the moment, I was like, okay, now Gallagher's out for the season. Oh, now uh, all marks out for the season. Now Radulov's out for the season. By the end of the season, like Eichel, like there was actually quite a few good, like fantasy players that ended up going down long-term. I'm just bringing up my list now here to see who else. I mean, oh yeah. Boone Jenner. If you're in a multi-category league, like the one that Matthew and I wrote, he was one of our really great like contributors out for the season. Larkin went out for the season. Zach Hyman randomly at one point went out. And he was like done for the for the long stretch. Uh, Hornfist went down in the playoffs, which was really annoying. That wasn't up for the whole season. I mentioned Allmark. Also, remember Joey Decord? Remember there was a stretch where the Sens started yeah. this guy Joey Decord, and then he like all of a sudden was like looking really good. And then like the next thing you, you blink, and it was like, yeah, oh, yeah, he's up for the season also. So I feel like once you have like four or five of these players, that just like how can you win if like a big like a quarter of your team just goes out for the season? Yeah, well, that's yeah. six six players for Brad compared to, I'll just rhyme off the others. Just Ben had Ovechkin and Carlson being out for the semifinals. Clayton had injuries to Panarin, Ovechkin, Weber, Shabbat, Tarasenko, and Stamkos. Oh, in a 16-team league with no IR plus and only two <laughs> moves a week. Yeah. There's, there's no coming back from that. And then Mark A.B. Uh, lost on a tiebreak because he lost the season matchup against a team that he tied with in a week where he missed Pacioretty and McKinnon for six games. That's a fun one. So it's like you lost this matchup earlier on in the year. You were able to like write it off. Like, okay, at least it's over now. And then to just come back and have this like old wound. Like that would have been like the ultimate thing for me. If like, after I'm like whining about how I lost to Dustin in that week, because Fiala got suspended just to then have the tiebreaker in the finals against him be that I lost that matchup when Fiala got suspended, it really would come full circle. So that's a tough one. Actually. I, I would hate to lose a tiebreaker because of a matchup early in the season or like, what would be even worse is if like I made, 
maybe could have done better in that matchup, but I decided to think more long-term and like, you know, kept, uh, I don't know, kept an extra move. I don't know. Something like that could be really annoying, but I guess you have to think of that if you know that that's going to be a tiebreaker. Ben, any of these really tug at your heartstrings? No, I think the, the difficult thing about winning off of an injury is that you kind of have to prove that you would have won despite the injury. And then the injury has to be like particularly egregious because everybody has to deal with injuries, right? Like that's just a fact of this game is the way she goes. And so, uh, you know, the Brad's squad, for example, those are some, that's a rough go. It's definitely on the outlying side of, of what you'd expect from injuries in a season. Um, but nothing that, you know, I think is particularly, uh, you know, some nothing that I I'm shocked and and think they deserve to win the the tournament on. Okay, I want to ask right. you guys a question. Uh, I've, this has been weighing on me like all season long. It's the people who lost Kucherov in like how we had our slow drafts for a cupful, and then like the draft started. Let's say on like a Sunday, every you know like every single league that was slow drafting, there was like twenty of them, and then. Uh, all of them obviously had Kucherov go in the first round. And then it was like the next day after Kucherov was gone in all these leagues, like it's announced, like not even just like injured for a month, like out for the season, just that's it. And you lose your first round pick and you still have to draft. I still feel bad about that. Like I, if that happened to me, I would be so demoralized. I think first of all, like huge kudos to anyone who like stuck in, you know, and still like participated, didn't like rage quit right there. And especially the people who still like competed. And there's some people I know who drafted Kucherov and still like went far, uh, that said, I remember at the time, Brian, I proposed something to you and you said, now nah, let's not do it. And I agreed. And I've always like kind of regretted it since then. Like, I think what we should have done is said that everyone who drafted Kucherov should have gotten like first dibs after the draft. Like everyone get like, you know, all the Kucherov drafters should get like first dibs of like the first free agent. Like, cause you know, like fab opened on the same day for everyone and everyone started bidding on all the free agents on the same day. I think we should have given like a one extra day to the Kucherov people to replace at least that pick with the top free agent before we let everyone else. Cause we should have given them something. That's like the worst luck in the world. So I don't know. I just wanted to get that off my chest. Okay. Uh, yeah. I hope your conscience is clear now. I don't feel bad about not doing that at all. I like, it sucks. I don't like, yeah, we could bend over backwards to make it suck less, but some Kucherov owners still found a fair amount of success. Of course it broke a lot of seasons too. I'm actually really just surprised Elon that you didn't use that as an opportunity to segue into how you lost Tarasenko two years ago in well, tier one. And that's the reason you lost, uh, you lost two, <laughs> two years ago. Well, that one is like, I guess, pretty standard. It's just a bummer. <laughs> well, that was just like, that was again, like a lesson for me. And I actually like changed my strategy because of that Tarasenko injury. Like that year in Cupful, so two seasons ago, I went stars and studs in my draft. Like I had like, like 10 player, 10 $1 players at the end of my auction draft because I spent all my money early on. And then I realized that, man, you really set, and Dave mentioned this on the reunion show, I believe, like you really set yourself up to potentially be in a lot of trouble if you have an injury, if you like only have a few, like a small number of star players on your team. And if one of them gets injured, it hurts all the more. And so this means, which means, does it really just come down to whoever has the healthiest stud? Because well, no, is. well, I think, well, I, my takeaway was don't do stars and studs, like try to get more, like a more well-rounded right. team. Right. But you can you live by the stud and die by the stud. I, I think a team that really, that does go studs and duds and keeps them healthy is really, really hard to beat. So yeah. if you want it, I, it's a, it's a roll of the dice and it's, I guess it's a probability thing and risk, risk assessment and whatever, but it just feels like a, not the way 
it's like who's whose stars stay healthy if everybody goes start studs and duds that's what decides it or even if a couple teams do it uh, shane by the way in the chat is saying imo if you play more leagues you get over this injury stuff way easier i barely care when or why i get knocked out these days and move on pretty quick how many leagues how many leagues shane Kind of Shane, Shane's comparing himself to all those dudes who play multiple poker hands at once online and is also suggesting, wow, Shane's just lighting up the chat. Play fantasy baseball. It ramps up right when hockey ends and is analytical heaven. <laughs> Shane also at the very start of this podcast, when I was like saying how I'm irrelevant now that the fantasy season's over, he was like, you should do a dynasty podcast. Like Shane's giving us lots of actionable <laughs> advice here to all right. uh, live our best lives. I'm going to throw you guys a couple more. I'm okay. going to cut out a couple goldie ones. I mean, taking Trout on Twitter just sent us a screenshot of Miko Koskinen's uh, four goal against okay. zero save game. That's which, bad. Like that just destroys, right? That adds nothing. You don't even get a save out of that. It it's really, terrible. Miko cost him one. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Do you know that Koskinen, so you had a 900 this season, worse than 918 the season before, and worse than the 906 the season before that. But Koskinen still had somehow, uh, just by switch, a career high quality start percentage. He's never been a good quality start guy. It's like 47% two years ago, 51.5% last year, this year just over 52%, but still with his very worst save percentage, which goes, uh, Elon, with I think something we were talking about earlier this year about how quality starts it might be an underrated metric for picking a goalie because you just want a guy that you can rely on to not blow you up yeah well and also it's like the save percentage doesn't really tell you the whole story like miko koskin ends the season if it ends now like with a 899 save percentage on the year but it's like he had a lot of good starts right like he had a pretty decent run before that four goals on four shots then gets pulled game which clearly must have like tank to save percent because he didn't play like a lot like it's not a volume goal he was a backup this year so that means like if you have four goals against on four shots in a season where you only played what was it 25 games that's gonna like probably bring you down like three four save percentage points so yeah like the save percentage doesn't tell you the whole story it's almost like i would want to see both you know in like uh in stats you want to see both the average and the variance like how many standard deviations a player is from the average yeah like, cause it seems well, like Koskinen, like sort of, yeah, he had an 899 percentage, but I'd want to know on, on a given start, it was probably like a huge variance where he was probably either way below or way above 899 save percentage. Yeah. And that's where quality starts comes in. Just to, to your point, without those four goals against on four shots, he was a, a 905 goalie. Yeah. That's a, a huge difference. Goal. I mean, it's not as a, he didn't do as much damage to himself as Cam Talbot did with his little stretch, but that was several games. Okay, Brian, can you do one. the math? Can you do the math then? Take away his Koskinen's March 1st game against Edmonton oh, or no, against are Toronto. You serious? He let in uh, seven goals. Or he, he let in three okay. goals on 10 shots. How like, about you this? Take out I'm, those... I'm going to take out his top five and bottom five starts. Does that accomplish what you're looking to do? Do you have the ability to do that? What site are you using? Oh, no, I don't. I thought I did, but I don't. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's just interesting. Like, you could sort of, for a, for a backup goalie that doesn't play very much, you could take out, like, their two worst starts and have, like, a completely different... Like, you just gave oh, him six extra save percentage points. Take out that other game. All of a sudden, he's a 9-10 goalie, probably. And it's like, you know, we're talking about him completely differently. So it's just interesting. I'm not, I'm not making a point here. I'm just saying it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Back to the excuses. Uh, and Ben, I'm going to throw to you first. So Dave Benton over in tier one, host of the stream scheme wrote in and said in his third week of the season, a Sunday night game, 
Chandler Stevenson was on his way to an empty net goal when he was held by an abs defender, should have been awarded a goal, but since there was only like 10 seconds left, they just let the clock run out. Would have been the difference for Dave that week in week three of the fantasy season. And Dave says, if not for that, if Stevenson's goal had been counted or he hadn't been held, Dave says, I wouldn't have been forced to make so many bad trades early if I had pulled off that win in week three. Uh, Does Dave deserve to lose? Yeah, for sure. I feel like you're setting me up to for the the easy knockout of Yev, of course. Uh, It's it's difficult with, I mean, he just admitted he made bad trades, like uh, not to pull the I think you should leave meme. Oh, my God, he admitted. But oh, my God, he admitted he did bad. So you lose when you do bad. That was his choice. Yeah, I, I wonder if David phrased it as saying I wouldn't have been forced to make so many trades early if I would pulled off. But no, I, that is, again, his choice. And he took that strategic decision and it didn't right. work out. I think that the issue, though, with the example of anytime you use something from like the first half of the season, though, there are so many butterfly effect moments and, and decisions from there until the end that it's difficult to be like, oh, yeah, like if he had flipped that one decision, he would have won the league. You know what I mean? Like, that's a pretty big stretch. I think you guys are also bearing the lead here, like. This is a goal that should have counted. Like the rule in the NHL is if you have a breakaway with an empty net and then you get, or whatever, if you have a breakaway, did you say there was an empty net or just like it was just an overtime? What yeah, was it was it? an empty net goal and he was held I by really an abs defender, which, yeah, which is supposed to be a goal. But yeah, they just, so ba- apparently they just let the clock run out. So because probably the rest were like, doesn't matter. The game's over anyways. They're not thinking about fantasy. So I think that Dave has a legit claim here. Like, yeah, maybe like he didn't have to make bad trades, but probably I, I understand the feeling of like, you're down early. Like there's only 12 matchups in the cupful this year before the playoffs. Like he should have had that win. Like, like he deserved yeah. a week three win. I'll give him 10 out of 10 on the deserved a week three win <laughs> episode, but on the deserved a, a, cha- a fantasy championship over that. It's like, no, it's just, that's a huge stretch. He got robbed. He got robbed Stop. more than the rest. Of, like I am saying that I got robbed because of the Fiala suspension. At least that's like the rules of the game here. Like the referees legit didn't follow the rules of hockey and cost Dave a win. I'm giving him a like give him a seven. I'm giving a seven for this. We're talking about winning your fantasy league. You yeah, you he- are. I'm just talking about who was robbed. I feel like Dave got robbed. Okay. One week that- can change everything. Brett, I'm going to defer to the moderator then. Is that what we're doing? Are we just doing off of, off of a No, we're week? trying to, we're saying who got robbed from winning their fantasy hockey championship. And uh, Elon, you're good. sticking with seven? Dave's a good fantasy player. I think that if he gets on a roll, he would have, uh, I think he could have really had a good shot at this thing. I think Dave is a fantastic fantasy player. I think that he could have won this season. I think that equating it to one bad call costing him one week. Why didn't he win all his other weeks? Because he, he lost got a he, lot of weeks. He, he went, got frantic. He panicked. He panicked. I, feel, and made I can't trades. understand why you're giving this a high score. I, I'm truly perplexed by that. Well, I feel like you're just trying to give a good score. Well, to be fair, you gave a low score, so Dave's still not going to win. So we can move on. <laughs> okay. Uh, Let's go to Lewis, one of Dave's trading partners in tier one, who said, I made a trade with Dave right before we matched up, which had two effects. First, it involved acquiring Bennington, who had his first tantrum game while the trade was going through and was awful basically up until I dropped him. The guys I sent to Dave also outscored the guys I got back in a week in which I lost by 0.05 points, five hundredths of a fantasy point. I lost the next two weeks as well, which likely cost me a buy. I ended up having my worst week of the playoff period in the first match, which I lost. 
And Lewis also adds, I got slayed by Max Comtois and Dmitry Orlov in, his, in my elimination round, as well as Sam Reinhardt, who was particularly painful since I had dropped him. So there are two instances that Lewis is complaining about here. The first is in which the players that he traded away would have helped him win a week. And uh, another instance where the player he dropped would have helped him win a playoff round. So how deserving of an L is Lewis? Uh, yes. I th- <laughs> you go first. I think it's funny always the like, I dropped a player, then my opponent picked him up and then like the player did well. Like that sucks. Brian, that happened to us actually in the Fantasy Hockey Trades League yeah. where we dropped Saros because it was like Nashville played Monday, Tuesday, and then they didn't play again until Saturday. And this league has like crazy scoring where like a goalie game is worth so much. So we figured like we could like stream him out and still get decent. And I think we had a pretty decent goalie spot start on Saturday. I forget who we added. It was like someone that was like highly projected to win their game. They did win. But anyways, our opponent added Saros and got a shutout and got like so many points. But that, that's a little different, I guess, because we knew Saros was good. It was just like a straight games played uh, gambit. But to like drop Reinhardt because he's slumping, then your opponent picks him up and beats you with him. That's painful. Uh, I don't know if it's like you were robbed, but I feel the pain for Lewis there. I'd hate to get beat by the player that I dropped because I already am mad at that player for letting me down. And then he has to come back and like do well what's against you. Brutal. That's like the worst thing in fantasy, actually. I, I can't think of a worse feeling. That's like really bad. So uh, I don't know. It's the reason why I held on to Jesse Pugliarvi for so much longer than I should have. Because I just felt if he wasn't going to work for me, I sure as heck was not going to let him work for anyone else. Yeah. Uh, so tricky. I always like ask, tell people when they're asking me, like, should I drop this player? My first question is always like, will people in your league be like so excited when they see this player hit the free agency pool? Like, you know, just to get a sense of like how deep the league is. Like if you're dropping a player where all of a sudden everyone's going to drop all their fab to try to get this guy, then maybe you shouldn't drop the player. Maybe you try to trade or something. But like in this case, you know, Reinhardt probably didn't even get that much attention because Buffalo wasn't doing anything. He was cold. And I know Reinhardt ended the season strong. By the way, total side note, did you see this thing today about how Jack Eichel is all like, maybe I won't even come back to Buffalo in so many words? Uh, so that would be interesting. I, but would it be crazy to say that maybe that's good for Sam Reinhardt? Because Reinhardt had a really strong end to the season once he was like the main go-to guy on the team. Except I think that Sam Reinhardt wants out too. Well, okay, from- assuming that he stays. <laughs> and, uh, if everyone goes, then it's just bad for Buffalo. But anyways, I just, it would be interesting. great for Casey Middlestat. True. I mean, that top power play spot, he gets to hold on to it. And he was producing from there. Uh, so anyways, that's something we'll discuss in the summer if and when Jack Eichel ends up deciding to not resign with Buffalo. But anyway, I don't right. really have a score for this. Well, I feel he needs bad to force his way out by a trade is why it's particularly inflammatory because he's he's locked up. But it sounds like he if I were him and they weren't letting me get a friggin neck surgery, I would also refuse to show up to work. Yeah, I surpri- I'm surprised that's even a thing. I assume that the player gets the final decision, but I guess I don't know how this really works. Uh, apparently, it sounds like neither does Jack Eichel, potentially. So uh, hopefully everyone figures that out and he recovers and has a great career somewhere, perhaps even Buffalo, but it sure seems unlikely. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a, a fun thing to read daily about, about the rumors until the next season begins. Ben, did you have a rating for your short shifts uh, compatriots disappointment? Did Elon give a rating? Four. Uh, are we are we officially calling him future Rangers great Jack Eichel yet, or is it too <laughs> soon to? Uh, um, 
Are we? I, I want to ask another clarifying question on the the format here. Are we rating individual moves, or are we looking at the whole the whole of his explanation? The whole thing. Okay. Because I, I mean, if we're talking about the trade, uh, you know, respect to Lewis, great player, great fantasy player, better guy. <laughs> he overpaid in that trade because he got he ended up getting outbid. He got. Uh, countered using the cupful trade counter mechanism and then to re-secure that package. I, I feel like he overpaid. So I'm, I'm, you know, early instinct is to give him a low score off of that. The Reinhardt thing is a bummer. Um, and uh, Lewis's team was really good. He, he really smoked the waiver wire the last few weeks, but uh, to me, it's, it's too many things to really count it as, as very high and to say like, Oh no, he should have actually deserved the win. So I'm with Elon. I'll go five here. Oh, okay. okay. If you would have gone lower, I would have matched you. I just didn't want to give lower than you. And somehow I did. So that's too bad. <laughs> Uh, All right. So that's almost all, you know, I'm going to be a little self-indulgent here. There's one more take and it's mine. There's one more excuse for losing and it's mine. And it does have to do with what Ben just mentioned, which was the Kukupful's counter offer mechanism where any trade that's made within 24 hours, you have the opportunity to propose a better deal to either of the managers involved for exactly what they're trading away. So there was a trade in my tier in tier two San Jose, where Matt, who was a a really strong player, former tier one competitor, uh, working his way back to tier one. Matt Dalgallo? Yeah. He's never been in tier one. If you listen to the stat attack interview, it's like his dream to make it in tier one. He keeps on missing it. I got that wrong. So should I start over? I'm I'm just going to go over. Okay. Tier one wannabe, Matt Dalgallo, really was pushing very hard, like was a shark all season long. And so he swung this deal where he traded Chris Kreider and Andrew Mangiapane for Phil Dano and Max Pacioretty, who, by the way, also had this amazing postseason schedule. And I didn't feel like I could let Matt acquire Max Pacioretty. So I get in the mix and I throw in uh, Jacob Vrana, who was hot at the time, and Mark Giordano to get Max Pacioretty, which might not have been even that better of an offer, but I had it accepted. And then Kyle, the eventual winner and the, the guy who beat me in the playoffs, also leading up to the playoffs, he beat me to keep me from getting my bye, uh, ended up countering my offer with Morgan Riley and Phil Kessel to get Phil Dano and Max Pacioretty. Okay. So I tried to block Matt from getting Pacioretty in the end Kyle got patch ready, who I then had to face later in the season, which shouldn't have been that big a deal because I took my Mark Giordano and I packaged him with, I can't even remember who to acquire Brock Besser to try and get some firepower to go up against Kyle's Max Pacioretty for what I thought was going to be a pretty crucial matchup going into the playoffs. I didn't know I'd face Kyle in the playoffs yet at that point, but I, I guess In case I did, I'd have Brock Besser. And then, of course, uh, the whole Canucks team has to sit. And Brock Besser, my pretty newly acquired Brock Besser, is sitting for the last couple weeks that I'm fighting for a bye. I lose on the bye. I face Kyle and Max Pacioretty in the first round. Again, still without Brock Besser and get booted unceremoniously (laughs) from Kikupful Tier 2 playoffs. How good a case do I have for having deserved the win had 
this doesn't even have to do with me or Kyle. Had Matt never made this initial trade with Brian, by the way, also a very good manager uh, for Max Pacioretty. Who goes first? Ben. <laughs> you, unless uh, you're, you're chomping at the bit. I'm ready to go. Okay, I want to let, let Elon go, yeah. So I want to give you a 10 because that sucks. This is a very sad story that like some trade that you had nothing to do with ended up costing you the championship because Pacioretty was so awesome. But I'm going to have to give you a one because you've left out a key part of this story to try to make yourself sound more sympathetic and not to blame. When I know for a fact that once Kyle made that counter offer on the Pacioretty trade, the, the Brian person who was trading Pacioretty went back to you and you could have negotiated. He was willing to work I, with you, but you weren't willing to give like $5 more fab. And I, I remember hypothetically, I, hypothetically. And, and I did, I did prophetically say this could cost me my season, but Kyle had like 70 fab more than I did. Like Kyle could have just kept putting more fab on the table. I think if you go back to our chats where you were like asking me what you should do, I was like saying you should spend all the fab you need to to secure this deal because Pacioretty is clearly the best player in this trade and it's not close. And then you basically in the end said something along the lines of like, I don't feel like it out of principle or something like <laughs> yeah. you just felt like I don't want to do it because I know it's just going to get countered anyways. And then maybe you were tired or something. Maybe you had been like uh, up late with your kid the day before or something. I don't know. So I definitely feel for you, and that sucks because this all could have not happened. But on the technicality, for due to omission, I'm giving you a one. Also, I don't think you should win this thing because that would be kind of unfair. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's again for me, it's like the butterfly effect thing. There's so many things that go into it, and uh, I like I disagree with Elon's thing about how a deal that someone else makes shouldn't sink you. It's like there are 14 players buying for this. So if somebody pulls off a good deal, that's like very much in play as, as to why you would lose nobody, like none of us deserve to win. Right. We all have to go out and, and make it happen for ourselves. So yeah, I just, add, you didn't make a move and somebody else did. That's not a good reason that you lost. Like that is just how she goes. But he got screwed. He got screwed by uh, someone. By choosing countering... to get screwed. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> he chose the thing. to take the getting screwed. It, exactly. But it shouldn't have, it might not have hurt me so much had I not invested still in Brock Besser. Like yeah, there's a whole second too. piece to this. Again, though, that's just, that's like Dave saying, uh, oh, I lost because I, I got screwed by a ref and then I made some bad decisions. <laughs> it wasn't I mean, a bad you, decision. I Brock know, Besser was healthy. That's how it goes, bro. That's what uh, happens. All right. I think Ben's tired now. He doesn't want <laughs> No, I just uh, I don't have a lot of sympathy for people. When you make a decision and it doesn't go your way, that's what happens to all of us hundreds I'm gonna of say, times through the season. Maybe I'm biased because I want our Keeping Carlson brand to be strong, but I think Brian deserved better this season and getting that Besser injury. And also, you didn't even mention how you also saw had Connor McDavid. This is the reason for this episode, right? It's just for us all to complain about why we lost. Yes. And you haven't even brought up why you lost in the couple finals to Dustin yet. I'm, I'm still waiting for that. Uh, but, Is there yeah. a reason why I lost? I assumed you would come up with something. <laughs> I mean, I, I I can add. I had McDavid only playing twice, uh, and I had Forsberg and Malkin injured while all this was happening. Too. Ryan, you are the and Demkos of the show. I'll say this about about. <laughs> I won the hot takeoff. I want to win the the hot excuses for losers off too. <laughs> I think that 
too like and having been on this show ironic of me to say but i find like looking for an excuse for why you lost to be like not only unhelpful but like oftentimes like unfun <laughs> for the rest of the league because it's like dustin beat me and i'm happy for him to like i'm i'm sad i lost i'm not happy is I there lost, a button but... on zoom to like kick someone off the call <laughs> I just don't, yeah. like what's the point look, at, look at this guy what's the point in sitting and like to me it's actually kind of a dick move to be in the group chat like oh i would have won if like these four things happen it's like no just say congrats and just couldn't say you have you said go. this when we invited you to come on the show so that we could have known to bring someone else on the whole point is to have someone that we can all bitch together about why we lost. Yeah. And I did that for a whole hour and a half. And now I'm just saying at the end, I think, I just think people, all the winners deserve to win. Yeah. They should, you should be happier. You should be nicer at least more grace. No, for sure. I'm not, I'm not being ungracious. I didn't think you, I don't think you are either. (laughs) Okay. You are are by far the kindest of any of, of, or at least you framed all the questions and then framed yours the kindest. So, (laughs) you know, know, the real point of fantasy is to make friends and, and to have fun with your, I'm just kidding. Okay. I don't know. I was going to, I was going to let Patty actually have the last word here who who threw in her submission and said, I did everything wrong this year, starting with picking Eichel in two leagues before Matthews. It was all downhill from there. At first I I blamed postponed games and whined. I feel like I have no control, but the reason I sucked this year is because I made bad decisions. Too many to count. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that happens. Patty owns it. Way to go. Patty. 10. Patty, you deserve to win because you don't think you deserve to win. By the way, going back, so uh, we should award a winner here before we sign off because I think we're wrapping up. The winner is Ian and the double Vasilevsky benching and the the runner-up. Honestly, guys, the runner-up with nine of a possible 20 points, you were (laughs) there's no no charity on the panel tonight, was Ed losing to his kid. Because of Mackenzie Blackwood giving up a two-goal lead with 86 seconds left and then falling in the shootout to the Flyers. Yeah, To be clear... I was just going to say, when that came up, I almost brought this up, but I I thought that I might be spoiling a potential entrant, but I kind of expected a... uh, a Tristan Jari blow up game to, to make an appearance here where he was up. He had a shutout in the third up six, nothing, I think in the finals and then lost or ended up winning seven, six or whatever. Sorry, Elon. No, no, for sure. That was a brutal one. Uh, I was just going to say to be fair or to be clear, like, all of this is just for fun. And like, I just like mm. to, after I lose, come up with excuses for why I lost and share them. But like, yeah, definitely you should be gracious. And like, I do like say that Dustin deserved to win. I just personally mm-hmm. would always come up with one excuse that I could make just for fun. Uh, the other thought that came to my mind in a conversation we had like half an hour ago, uh, I just wanted to get your take on, remember how when McDavid was on the Oilers all this time and everyone's been all like, wow, McDavid's been so wasted. Like we have this like generational player and he's on this like mismanaged team where they don't give him anyone good to play with. With, and now like we're losing all the best years from like the this amazing player and now like obviously things are going so well for McDavid that no one's saying that anymore and I wonder if now that needs to be shifted is the biggest player who's been like robbed of an awesome career since uh, you know to stick someone with the theme of the episode is it Jack Eichel now now that this news came out of Buffalo is it, like who else in the NHL currently would you say has been more robbed of like you know like we're talking about like, the chance to be in the Hall of Fame be like an all-time great is Eichel totally like getting screwed right now because of this mismanaged injury? And like Buffalo's been just as bad as Edmonton at finding like uh, quality Worse. teammates for him. Like, yeah, Edmonton's made the playoffs a couple times. So uh, is, is Eichel the biggest robbed player in the NHL right now? 
That's a good question. Uh, probably. I don't, the one thing that I disagreed with there was just that, like, I, I don't think people have stopped saying that about McDavid, even though the team is going to make the playoffs this year. Cause like at the, tr- at least I follow Oilers fans who are still saying that cause at the playoffs or at the trade deadline, they refuse to make moves. Like to me, if you're Ken Holland, you're going in every year and you're trying hard, mm-hmm. you're making moves every year to try and make that roster a little better to give your McDavid led team the championship. But the team itself already is just a a lot better than how than Buffalo. And so I would say I'm yeah, in terms of like people who are in are superstars in the most depressing situations, it's gotta be Eichel at this point. Yeah. I'm gonna throw Taylor Hall's name in the mix too. I mean, now that he's in Boston, I think he's finally got his chance. But up until that trade, uh being in the mess that was Edmonton, and then of course, like Arizona and New Jersey, sure we're both seemed better opportunities at the time, but Arizona uh, seems to be a fairly dysfunctional organization uh, off the ice. Not They're better on the ice than they are off to their, to, to their credit. Uh, and then New Jersey thought they had a chance. They didn't. And then he goes to the cursed Buffalo Sabres. It's crazy that Buffalo at the start of the year had Hall and Eichel, and now they might have neither. And there was like the thought that they could make beautiful music together. And now they're both just going to be gone wild i do think there's a lot of pdo stuff there with with hall and eichel especially hall i think has gotten screwed twice on the exact same type of situation one where he uh his team drafts mcdavid everybody's looking forward to the center left wings setup like these two superstars playing together they play together for like four games and then McDavid gets shifted off the hall line, never to return. Same deal in Buffalo. They never went back to that hall Eichel look after like five or six games. You know, we've talked a lot, at least I've talked about this a lot, where like there's no training camp. There's no time for these players joining new teams to get a shot. If there's one player, like, and I don't think that Taylor Hall is still a superstar. I think that he's, you know, a high-end player who's good. But I definitely don't think that, I think you're doing your fantasy team a disservice if you write him off because he had a, a such a bad time in Buffalo this year. And now he's on Boston, uh, 14 points in 16 games for Taylor Hall. Maybe the trick is like, go into the situation knowing you're not going to be playing with the best center. And then maybe, you know, he was able to adjust mentally. Like, there was, no one was saying that Hall is going to play with Bergeron. And no, he's playing with Krejci. It's going pretty well. I know Brian's probably thinking that he is playing with the best center because he's playing with Krejci. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> finally. Actually, Julian Paquette wrote as his excuse that t- David Krejci got Taylor Hall traded to Boston and went off, and that's why he lost. Yeah, that's a good one. David Krejci was maybe my fantasy MVP in like a couple of playoffs. Incredible. Like, you know, a very, very lucky situation for me. 18 points in his last 15 games for David Krejci. So I don't think anyone had that on their bingo card. Okay, I'll give you an honorable mention of a play. This is obviously not at the level of McDavid and Eichel and even Taylor Hall, but I would be so curious to know what kind of career Ricard Raquel would be having if he wasn't on Anaheim. Like, I just feel like this is a really good player that's never had... Like, there was a couple years where he had good gets laugh, and then he was, like, putting up good numbers. Yeah. He had a 70-point pace one year. I, I'm just... I would be curious. It might be already almost too late. Like, he might already start being on his decline soon. So we'll never find out. But I'd be curious to know what kind of career Raquel would have if he was, like, you know, instead of Pasternak in Boston. You know, or like, yeah. you know, if he was in, like, one of those sweet situations, I wonder if he would be, like, a real superstar in the league. I would love to see, and hopefully he's either in a better place or he's still... Uh, like can play well in Anaheim as they rebuild around him because they they've got a pretty good team coming up. I feel like the way I feel about him now though, is the way I once felt about, about Jeff Skinner 
and feel, in Carolina thinking that he had so much more to offer, but was never really true. And Evander Kane too. And I guess one of those worked out well and one of those didn't. So I, I could see Raquel going either way, but I'd love for him to play on a competitive hot. I don't care where it could be Anaheim. Just put him on a competitive squad. I'm totally with you. He seems like he does everything right. And when he gets looks like he can, he can, like he can whip it. Like he can really fire it and make some nice moves. Like if you watch some Ricard Raquel play, it's like this guy seems to pass the eye test and his numbers are good under the hood too. So I would love to see him in a better situation. So maybe is this a preview for a future episode? Maybe in the off season, maybe this could be a, which players would be be curious to know if, how their careers would be different if they were on different teams. But okay, I think maybe we should probably wrap this up. So Brian, great job. You know, gathering. the answer is going to be Elias Pedersen, by the way, in two or three years from now. Oof. Elias Patterson's career would be better if he was on a different team. Yeah. I mean, he's already, things are going pretty well for Elias Patterson so far, like this season, notwithstanding because he got injured, but like his first couple of years in the league, he was clearly coming out and looking like a true superstar. Well, and but Eichel play- has looked like a true yeah. superstar too. But Patterson made it to the playoffs last year, got that's, to like the conference finals, wasn't he? Or true. like close to it? Like, just yeah, talking I about think like long just term. making the playoffs is kind of the bar here, right? Where like Buffalo... <laughs> Had, like just that stretch of futility is definitely on another level in terms of like superstars entering the league. Yeah. But we'll see now what, if uh, Vancouver could bounce back after a tough season, it's hard to like, mm-hmm. you know, like I know that they had a rough off season. A lot of people were predicting they wouldn't be good, but I still think they get somewhat of a mulligan just because of all the weirdness and the COVID stuff and the Patterson injury. So I think we have to at least give them one more year before we can say that they've really like blew it when they had such a good chance to. Go uh, they should fire Jim Benning though. Probably. definitely so with that i think we can close this out brian great job uh getting all of this information coming up with this idea executing it i had a blast i think we went a little bit off the rails at the end but i think it's like that was good (laughs) it was i had a lot of fun just uh talking and i i think i sort of lost my train of giving scores i started giving higher scores (laughs) for some reason at the end but uh, i had a lot of fun talking this through uh ben always really great talking to you uh listeners thank you so much for all of your great submissions and for sticking with us we hope you'll stick with us as we move forward we're going to try to keep coming up with creative episodes all throughout the playoffs and off season so definitely stay subscribed to keeping carlson come hang out as a patron for just a buck a month keeping carlson.com slash patron uh but with that i guess we should say ben is an official guest of the show ben do you have anything that you want people to check out they should obviously be following you over at short shifts kk one of my favorite twitter accounts you guys are always dropping these really funny tweets i feel like it's underrated like I think there's a lot of people who don't follow you that really should. I think your tweets are better than ours. Brian had a tweet today from our Twitter account that I was like, how is this getting any likes? This isn't funny at all. But I guess, uh, so obviously Brian's better at tweeting than I than I know, but uh, I really like the humor over at Short Shifts KK. Brian, do you remember what your tweet was today? I remember I saw it and I was like, this is the least funny thing I've ever seen. And it had like more than 10 likes. <laughs> well, Ben personally liked it. And so did Dave over at the stream scheme. I quote tweeted a tweet that said, David Quinn did not speak today. Oh yeah. With the comment like at all. Yeah, classic. <laughs> did he not I'm speak retweeting at all? it from uh, Short Shifts now. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. You know, honestly, Elon, I feel like if you saw Short Shifts tweet that, you would love it. I I actually was going to say We need to do a blind test. You love these tweets from Short Shifts, but you don't like them from me. I think it's because Elon feels like people think it's him making the joke and he doesn't want to be perceived to have been making it. But like... (laughs) you know, seeing someone else make it, he's like, that's pretty good, actually. Anyway, uh, thank you guys for having me. Uh, Yeah, follow us at ShortShiftsKK. Appreciate you saying that nice thing, Elon. I have not been tweeting because my, I 
dipped from NHL fandom uh, following the end of the cupful finals. I just needed my fantasy detox. And then my Rangers had an embarrassing couple of games against the Washington Capitals. Embarrassing for me as a fan of the sport, not, you know, they all did their thing. Uh, Anyway, uh, always fun to chat with you guys. Really enjoy being on the microphone. And I look forward to doing that again this summer. All right. So I guess with that, let's cue the outro music. Brian, do you have any credits to read today? Yeah, sure. I will say this episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons. Logo art from brandonweave.com. Music from Pat Roach. Also want to give a quick shout out to everybody who submitted something for our show today. We really appreciate you bearing your soul, uh, including Kevin, Julien, Justin, Brandon, Underpants Gnomes, Ben, and J-Bone. Thank you. I mean, I know some of their real names. I just copy their discord handle instead so thank you all for participating uh research for this episode was done with help from jobberhockey.com frozen tools and hockey reference you know brian you have a similar sense of humor to a guy named brandon on twitter who like responded to the tweet from david shapiro saying david quinn did not speak today brandon wrote i'm sure he said something to someone at some point got three likes for that one so one day I'll learn how to how to be successful at Twitter. Anyways, yeah, great job. This is so fun. I don't even know who. Do you know who tweeted first? I I just checked. Actually, you did. You you won the race to that there awesome joke. Yes, That's why he got all the likes. <laughs> thanks everyone for listening, and we'll be back at you with something at some point soon. Oh yeah, we're sort of like in this in between space. We'll figure purgatory. it out. Purgatory, fantasy hockey purgatory. We don't have to stick to a strict schedule now since people aren't listening to us to get their Monday morning fantasy advice, but we'll have shows at some point coming to your feed. Just say subscribe. That's all you need to do. Subscribe to Keeping Carlson. You'll get the shows when they come out. Yeah, that's how subscribing works. So we hope we do that. Thanks a lot for listening. And remember, until whenever the next time is, fantasy hockey is for everyone.